Welcome back, everyone, to the Horror Shed Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jared. Down underneath me, we have South Jersey Jason. And um, what the hell have you been up to? Uh, well, it's not like we haven't recorded recently together, but um, I uh, let's see. Besides work, uh, let me see. I watched some horror stuff. I watched the Funhouse Massacre, and it was a massacre. Let me tell you, <laughs> it was a massacre. Bodies, a massacre everywhere. to watch it. <laughs> whatever <laughs> oh and before we continue uh this episode is not brought to you by kate may brewery i am drinking orange india pale ale crushing it huh. uh kate may brewery i highly recommend in the south jersey area they do have in jersey and delaware and pa okay. you gotta get some of that duncan iced tea brother duncan iced tea i All don't right, drink try that. i haven't finished a beer since probably i was like 22 I killed like four of these already. It's Duncan Ice, delicious. where do you get it at? Liquor stores. Oh, it's, really? It's Duncan Spice Ice Coffee. If they have coffee, that's coming. The iced tea's out now. Holy okay. shit. Excuse <laughs> me. Um, so, um, yeah, so I watched the Funhouse Massacres. I know we're going to do um review that for the upcoming haunt season, do a few of the haunt movies. And, I mean, yeah, it was fun. Like you said, I wish Robert England was a little bit yes. more in it, but he's just, you know, doing anything for a paycheck. Um, I would have to say I can't remember the kills off him because honestly, it was like background for me because I was just like not really into <laughs> it. Maybe I had to watch it again. Uh, but my favorite character <laughs> was uh, because she was pretty was I forget her name, but she was the hot Hillary Clinton. Uh, OK, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then I watched, uh, you know, I'm on a Texas Chainsaw Massacre kick, so okay. I watched uh, the remake from 2003 last night. Hmm. We're, we're going to add a slight review to that game that came out because you've been shortly. playing shortly, right? Yeah, playing okay. is a weird word. <laughs> uh, well, do you want to dive into that? Since uh, all right, we can talk about that now. Um, all right, so I got it free on X on Xbox Games Pass. Downloaded it. You know, I'm not into the survival games. It's not my mm-hmm. thing. I, I like high, except golf. I love video game golf for whatever reason. Maybe because I can edit at work at the same time. You mm-hmm. know, you could just drop. But when, I, when it comes to gaming and I'm gaming, I need fast. Like Call of Duty. I yeah. need in your face. I love Call of Duty. Um, but I'll play Madden and like PGA when I'm working. Because I could just put the... Put the remote down. Yeah, I got Rick Poulton's interview uh, review of the game. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> but uh, my review goes... Alright, A, the game is fucking stunning. Visuals, right? Beautiful. Yeah, that's what I hear. Highly detailed, great engine. All the characters look amazingly like it. Two, the sound is incredible. From the chainsaw to the people talking the voices sound the same remarkable job three the setting holy crap it looks like you're in the movie like they 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 did the grit real good but it doesn't look gritty like an old thing it kind of it's so it's weird to explain number four this is the most boring game i played in my fucking life well did you play the friday 13th game no that's uh, that's probably why. That's probably why. What they did was they took the skin of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and put it on Dead by Daylight. Okay. It's the I never same thing. Daylight, so. You got to turn on shit. You got to run. It's it's so boring. And what I don't like is you can only hit certain areas with certain characters. That's mm. bullshit. That should be resolved right now. Because should each be, character has her ability, I guess, right, right? Like, okay. the chainsaw guy could cut through things so he can get access to that. The chainsaw guy? You mean Leatherface? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, and then you're... Um, the guy, the actual attendant at the gas station, and you're uh-huh. carrying around a the fucking cook. stick. Yeah, you're the cook. Well, yeah, that's his beaten stick, is when he <sighs> takes could Sally. Could give this he dude has, a better like, a little... weapon. <laughs> a better weapon. I mean, you got oh. Leatherface running around with this giant fucking chainsaw. You got uh, the guy with the razor. I mean, like okay, the hitchhiker. It, yeah. yeah. So what is what does the mom have? I think I mean Verna, maybe. I I didn't even get that far, dude. Okay. I, literally, I was wide awake. 
I had, I was doing my coffee, I was working, and I literally, my head fell. I'm like, oh shit, did I really just fall asleep playing a fucking video game? And I did. Like, my eyes closed and I went down. So, yeah, so supposedly there's a video leak that I saw, or a screen capture of uh, new skins coming out for, like, Leatherface. See, that's cool. I need yeah. to, I need to try it again. I had to stick when I played Rick Zed. What the fuck? How come I'm not seeing the... Uh... I don't know. You might have to scroll down or actually go into the room. Yeah, hold on. Let me go into it. Um, yeah, a friend at work who's not really into horror that much, he he played it, and he, he enjoyed it. Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, you know, he, he basically said everything that you said. The only thing he didn't like was something like with the voices, like... If you're near, like in other games he played, like if you're near someone, you can hear him, but you shouldn't be like in the opposite side of the map and still hear. Yeah, and every people. character had a special power. Like okay. when you were the cook, you could listen to chickens, and it would. Okay. Yeah, dude, I don't know, but okay. um, everyone's got a special power. Rick said Verna isn't in it. Sissy is. Oh, sissy. Oh, okay. Um. All right. Well, I mean. You know. Guys, if you're a fan, check it out. It's not expensive. I think it's like thirty bucks. Yeah, um, I got it for my soon-to-be-purchased PS5. So. <laughs> yeah, and th- like it's 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 something hard to own again. You know what I mean? Like if you're a fan, play it a couple times. To- I don't know. I'll try it again. But like I said, this isn't my speed. Right. If I was more into those games, it would be phenomenal because it's beautiful. I will give yeah. them all, and I'm surprised it's only thirty dollars. For how good this game well, it's, looks. Well, it's a good price, you know. But I hope they, I hope they do go to offline because I really don't want. There's no offline well, mode here. Well, you know, and that's how Friday Thirteenth originally started, no offline. So I'm hoping eventually yeah. they might have an offline. See, like we had this conversation over and over. We're in position to add more to the story with video games. Fucking do it. Yeah. You you got yeah. the license to make the game. Add to the story. We could have did what happened right after Sally got in the truck as a video game. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's just... um, Yeah, Waxwork uh, released uh, the vinyl for the soundtrack and the, the music with the movie. Um, There's a song with it. Man, that artwork looks good. I think it's like 40 bucks. I might get it. Very cool. But, uh, yeah, so in other big news, I'm sure you have seen it. Uh, I don't know. Um, maybe like the, seventy-seven times. The Blairstown Diner is up for sale. Up for sale, six hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. So if you got the bankroll, Rick, I thought you were buying it, bro. You know, I was talking to the manager, and he has a plan. It's just um, he needs some investors, but I would love to see Mike take over. Yeah. Um, because he'll he will continue the spirit of the franchise i think mike would elevate the spirit oh of most yeah. likely you know and i would love to work one-on-one with him you know um because i mean gary's a great guy and you know if it wasn't for gary i wouldn't you know be out there yeah. um but mike yes when mike came aboard yes mike elevated everything um so we'll see what happens my biggest fear is some jack off is going to buy it, tear it down, and put up a Dollar General. You know, because it comes with the land, too. Yeah. Gary owns that land. And that's a nice little chunk of land right there that he has with behind With streams behind it, too. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I doubt that would happen, but I just don't want to see some guy take it and then, like, just not, you know, welcome the fans like Gary and Mike do right now. And speaking of that, I just want to just chime in. I uh, last week I had posted that the diner is selling the the coffee cups for a hundred dollars, and I got a handful of trolls, and I had to block some people because yes, it's I never said it was screen used, screen matched. There is a difference. The diner had the coffee cups in rotation. I asked someone who, um, you know has a good uh, reputation in the community. And she said a hundred dollars is a fair asking price. I mean, come on, if you go to Camp Crystal Lake, you're going to get a keychain from one of the cabins for 25 bucks and it's only that big. So come on, yeah. you know, 
they're not the first person to do something like this and they won't be the last. Um, I know it's not Steve Christie didn't hold it, but if you're, you know, if you love the original movie as much as I do, it's a cool part of history to have. Right. And you know, you know? what? There's no way to not know. Cause as me and you discussed, they didn't take one take. And I'm right. sure those, you know, the old mugs, they drip all over the fucking place, no matter how you drink it. So I guarantee you seven or eight of those mugs were used. Yeah, that's see, because they and, um, they leak. They all every old mug I've ever drank out of, either my mouth is fucked up, but they always have coffee running out of it. Yeah, and uh, and I'm not sure if Rick had commented on this guy's post, but he's like, "Oh, I found one for seven dollars on eBay." But if you look at, I mean, at the glance of an eye, it kind of looks like that because the top matches like the the strip going around. But the bottom is completely different. Right. And someone had commented and said, that's not the one. Yeah. And these are, these came out of the crawl space of the fucking diner. So, so so for how, like 30 years. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a cool find to me. That's like you're tearing down a house and in the crawl space, you come across the first Batman. And let's talk about monster mania. You're going to go sit there, go get your picture taken four times for 150 fucking dollars for a picture of a guy you already met or yeah. you're gonna buy someone's diorama for 400 fucking dollars that they <laughs> built for 40 that was never close to a fucking movie and you're gonna right. bitch about a hundred dollar mug yeah yeah right. there, there's always there's always gonna be that one person and you know i was telling mike i was getting pissed off he's like just block them <laughs> that's what i started doing <laughs> So, I was watching um, a little bit. I just started shaking my head because, you know, I'm basically done with all these horror groups to fucking begin Yeah, with. and, you know, it's funny. I think someone took over the Friday the 13th franchise.com Facebook page because okay. they've been they've been um, uploading a ton or a lot more news. Oh. But, um, yeah, I mean, everyone and their mother are um, talking about it and uh, we'll see what happens. You know, I don't I don't think the diner is going to get torn down. I don't think at that price that it will be a developer. So because it's not worth it for them, honestly, that piece of land and let's consider a very small deadish town Mm -hmm. will not fetch six seventy five to someone that wants to put up. Yeah. So I think we're safe there. Yeah. And, um, it was higher. Like he did have it for quite substantially higher. I'm talking like almost as much as like what the Amityville Horror House goes for. So he has brought down the price. Plus, Um, this is yeah, but it's a business. It's a business. So you're you can you can go in the black pretty quick if you do your shit Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, Um, and Gary's a great guy, and you know he loves the fans, and he just wants to retire. You know, go down go down to Florida. I don't blame him. Um, Let's see, Rick said guaranteed. I can't. That's a freaking heart. You can't my guarantee way. one of those mugs, Rick, because for all we know, Steve Christie took it with him. Yeah, but you know, I like to say Steve Christie might have held it. Yeah. And then um, BJ Crowder, I'm gonna give him a shout out. He messaged me. I think I sent you the screen capture. He says we need to go back and reshoot my scene, and his name name was Jason with the coffee mug. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's pretty much it. And then upcoming for me, I'm going to the Mahoning. Um, by the time this comes out, I've already been gone. I went, but August 31st, uh, I will be seeing our new friends, Shelly and Bonnie, uh, from the burning because they're the uh, Mahoney's doing the Camp Blood weekend, starting off with the burning on that Thursday. So I'll get to meet them, I'm gonna get their autographs, and you know, I'll um rock the Horror Shed podcast uh, shirt. Uh, I went to the NJ Harcon this past weekend, uh. First time back in Edison since they first started. Uh, you know, Ryan puts on a great show, and I had a there's a lot of great feedback from all the diehard Monster Mania fans, mm, which I did see that, which shocked me because it's like West Side Story, you know, between two convention. Um, but yeah, I had a great time, and um, I got to meet um, uh, well, I can't think of her name right now. Oh, she played Violet. Tiffany, Tif- oh, Tiffany Helm. I can't, her, I think it's Tiffany Helm, sorry. But play Violet in part five. Um, You know, I told her, you know, I'm so ecstatic that you have come to the event because you're so rare in the community and you were my favorite ca- female character in part five. And she was like very happy. And Shavar Ross, who played Reggie the Reckless, was next to her. And um, there was no one in this line. Wow. Except for one person. 
And this guy was just—I mean, the guy was, you know, nice, but he was just talking his ear off. And I had so many questions I wanted to ask him because there was no one behind me, you know. But by the time it was my time, fifteen minutes People later, up, yeah, there was like a line. So I just cut it short, you know. I asked him two questions: one, where's your photo op wearing the red sweatpants? And two, I hear you're going to be at this place coming up soon. Are you going to bust out the Reggie scream? And he's like, you know, I've been trying, but I don't want to hurt my voice. So I said, well, you are the screen king, if you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> but very nice guy. And I finally felt good to be taller than someone. <laughs> uh, Tiffany, Tiffany Helm, let me see. Tiffany Helm, yep. yep. And then uh, her mom is Brooke. Uh, she's uh, Brooke her mom is Brooke from Bundy Nightmare from 3 and 4. Come on, Kristen, Andala. Andala. <laughs> uh, but yeah, tips, hands off to Ryan for putting on a great show. The vendors, um, if I had to say a little lackluster, and it's nothing against Ryan, it's just nothing just stood out to me, you know? But I have to say, there wasn't a lot of Tumblr vendors, thank God. Okay. So, But I did get a pint of very good garlic-infused... Um, oh, there we go. You pickles. can't go wrong with garlic pickles. Yeah. And I don't and... have a problem with Tumblr companies, but I think there should only be a limited amount... Like, yes. people came at me like I hated Tumblr companies. Listen, I have my own fucking Tumblrs. I mean, I don't mind Tumblrs. But when yeah. you have 17 of them at the same convention with all the same shit, that's when I'm like, hey, maybe get a different vendor. Right. I'm not saying your but, stuff's yeah. bad. I'm just but, saying, um, let's separate the vending. Yeah, and the cosplays were really cool. I mean, there wasn't a lot of cosplayers, but one that stood out was this guy was an alien from the movies. But it was like mech armor he was wearing. Oh. That was really cool. And he had smoke coming out of it. Oh, that was really cool. awesome. Very cool. But they just announced that in December they're doing their pop-up market. So I thought that would be a good day for you and I to go up there. Yeah, and well, get a table, it might be interesting. You know? I mean, December's right. kind of slow. so December 16th, you know, hmm. as long as you're not Christmas, doing something Christmassy with the wife. <laughs> All right. All so right. me... I am fueling up for haunt season. I think we're having our first official team meeting Friday. Um, is Rick a part of that team meeting? Rick is unfortunately a part of that team meeting because I have to teach him <laughs> some things. Um, yeah, so California guy's in. Rick's in. My guy, local guy here's in. Me and Terry will be there. I'm working out the final pieces for the camera. Been testing the wireless mics by um, speakers. And it still picks you up pretty good. So I'm very excited about these. And they're tiny. Nice. Good size. Oh, nice. And you talk in through oh, wow. there. You can wear it on a shirt. We even got a microphone holder so we can do interviews and stuff. But yeah. So would I be tiny like, when we go to um the two haunts? Are you bringing like something like that? So yeah, yeah. um the nice. the haunts I can do, I will. Like still okay. some will be phone footage because people have camera rules. Which is completely yeah. understandable. But I'll be sending emails out to see who will let me. And then this little box just sits on the camera, and everything oh, cool. gets recorded right to the camera. Damn, you're like all professional and shit. Oh, dude, I got a deal and a half on these. Like nice. Rode, the company makes a set of these, four hundred dollars. Okay. I got these for one seventy, and I got I had Amazon points, so I actually only paid I actually paid nothing because I returned something and got them. We got like three people watching. Look at that. <laughs> oh shit! Nice. Yeah. If you're watching, chime in. Chime in. Um, because we're gonna be uh, talking about the burning as soon as Jared's done talking about what he needs to. Yeah, we're um, gonna watch this awesome video. So if well, you gotta go first, what do you got? No, no, I'm oh, good. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got two shows coming out from Halloween Haunts. First one's the main one. Uh, it comes out every Monday until haunt season, and then it'll be out three to four to five times a week. Alright, so that's the main episode, Halloween Haunts 365 on YouTube. Just subscribe now. We have too much content coming your way. And now what's starting on Wednesdays, and this will come out every Wednesday at 8 a.m. It's a weekend update. This is going to give you all your haunt stuff. Your cat made a run in, Jared. 
<laughs> Damn cats. But uh weekend update, it's something new we're doing for this season. We're gonna see how it goes. All right, so that's going to just be pre-recorded. We might be doing all that on Sunday. <laughs> because I just want to drop it Wednesday, mm-hmm. just drop it every week, and just let it run and not have to deal with it. So that's what we got going on. Uh, horror. I watched The Burning again mm-hmm. to get a better feel for it for today. Yeah. Um, I liked it again. Did you appreciate it a little bit more after talking little about it and Shelly? Um. I just overall did like it mm-hmm. was fun watching the scenes they were talking about after talking yeah. to them, but even more like acting isn't bad. So like not Better those two, but I mean like yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean it's just I wish I wish Cropsy was on screen more. That's all I want. Yeah, that was my only like you really only saw him like when um Frick Brian Backer's character was like in on the top bunk. Yeah. And then you don't see him again, like full face until the end of the movie, yeah. which Tom Savini yeah. hates the mask. Like everyone keeps saying, because he only I'm... had three days to make it. I like it. Yeah. I thought it was cool. I mean, it was different. Kind of like reminds me in a small degree of the chatterer from Hellraiser. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I watched that. Then I watched, um, we watching Ozarks. No, oh, Ozarks great. It's good, but it's slow. What burn. are you like in the first season? Yeah. Oh, don't, don't, don't worry, man. Oh, okay. Uh, the girl who plays Ruth. Yeah. Her name Ruth. I love her, and her character gets even crazier as the seasons go on. All right, cool. Um, and then I started watching. Um, I've been wanting to watch the the Lords of Salem again. Just because I've been to Salem, so I want to see like the filming locations the, and everything. The Rob Zombie one, yeah. Oh, have fun with that. Uh, Rick said it's like Jaws, less is more with Cropsy. But yeah, I wanted a little bit more though. <laughs> I want more of Jaws. What are you talking about? It was fucking awesome when that shark yeah, came out of the water. <laughs> yeah, but with Jaws, that's the thing. Now you don't see the shark before it eats you in yep. real life. Yep, that's, that's true. What, that's what made it. I do because I'm on the beach. <laughs> and not in the fucking water. So I see the shark about to eat these motherfuckers. All right. Well, what we're doing today, finally. Sorry, we got a lot of shit to cover, guys. Even though we just recorded, we still got a lot of shit to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, The Burning, 1981. You want to start the trailer? Yeah, start the trailer. Let's do it. about being with someone where no one can see you, don't. Because this summer, a legend of terror isn't just a campfire story anymore. They say he smashed his way through the bunk room door, just a mass of flames. Burned alive, cried out. I will return. I will have my revenge. He lives on whatever he can catch. Right now, he's out there. What happened one summer five years ago is about to happen again, and again, and again. The Burning. Great artwork out of, I'm guessing, Shout Factory, because that's definitely a newer artwork. Yeah, it could be Shout Factory, or it could be um like Cavity Colors or Gutter Garbs. Yeah. Um, but you know, and I'm 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 uh picking myself in a butt. Gutter Garbs did a like a drive-in T-shirt 
and it had Cropsey and Jason from Part Two on it. Ah, that's funny. Uh, yeah. All right, we back. We are back. All right, so yeah, we were just talking about how great that uh, Shaw Factory trailer is, and like the artwork, and I, it could be Shaw Factory, but like I said, um, Gutter Guards just did a, I think it was like early summer. It was um, Cropsey and Jason from Part Two on it. It was really cool, and I didn't get it, but I should have. All right, so let's dive into this cult classic that the burning is so is a 1981 american slasher film directed by tony malum and starring brian matthews leah ayers brian backer larry joshua and lou david its plot follows a summer camp caretaker who was horribly burnt from a prank gone wrong where he seeks vengeance at a nearby summer camp years later the film marks the debut of actors jason alexander fisher stevens and holly hunter which is like you don't really see her. The girls had to like kind of describe her to us because I still look for her in the movie. Yeah, and I couldn't find her. Um, that was before we interviewed the ladies. Yeah. Now um, Fisher Stevens, what was he in? So do you remember Short Circuit, the Indian? He was like the computer guy. Yeah, that's 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 Fisher Stevens. He has Woodstock. Johnny Five, you alive? <laughs> yeah. Remember? Yeah, and he also played one of the bad Koopas. Uh, I remember uh, that. And in, in, in Mario Brothers. Yeah. He's like done a lot of different stuff, but to me, he's most famous for playing the Indian character in Short Circuit 1 and 2. Okay. Which he couldn't do in today's society. No. You know, but when I saw the movie, I thought he was Indian. <laughs> okay, but the, the guy that the chick's afraid of, he's been in a lot of shit. Ryan Backer? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's most famous for um, Fast Times at Richmond High. He, no, uh, that's 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 the nerd kid. Who are you talking about, Glazer? No, the other one. That they're afraid of. Who are they? The girls of? afraid to go into the woods. They get in the oh, lake. Oh, with Eddie, I think his name was. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Offhand, I'm not sure what he's been in. Um, I know he's been in a lot of shit. He's got yeah, and he actually passed away a couple of years ago. I think he had cancer um but yeah let's well, if you want to look it up while we yeah, uh, go, go for on it. all right so as we all know because this is our um our cropsy series this is a based on the new york urban legend of the cropsy maniac the screenplay was written by bob weinstein and peter lawrence from a story conceived by producer harvey weinstein tony malum and brad gray rick wakeman of the progressive rock band yes composed the score Excuse me. The Burning was theatrically released on May 8th, 1981 by Filmways. Its critical reception was largely unfavorable with many film critics deriding its similarities to Friday the 13th and Friday the 13th Part 2 and its graphic violence. However, it has since become a cult classic and received positive reappraisal from film critics. So in 1980, Harvey Weinstein was desperate to break into the movie business. Weinstein and producing partner Michael Cole recognized the success of low-budget horror films such as The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Halloween and began swapping horror stories. Having heard stories about the Cropsey legend when he was a young camper in upstate New York, Weinstein brought the idea to Cole, who loved it. The project was initiated before the popularity of Sean S. Cunningham's sleeper hit, Friday the 13th, with Harvey Weinstein creating a five-page treatment in 1979 under the title The Cropsey Maniac and registering it in April 1980, a full month before Cunningham's film was released. Coincidentally, at the same time, director Joseph Ellison also had a film in pre-production under the title The Burning, but changed the name to Don't Go Into the House to avoid confusion with the Weinstein film. The production also bore similarities to another slasher movie in pre-production, a film that would become known as Madman. In summer 1980, during a casting call for Madman, one of the actresses commented that her boyfriend was acting in The Burning. This prompted Madman to change its entire premise, which was built around the Cropsey legend. This led to a delay in its filming until October 1980, which proved costly as it didn't receive a theatrical release until January 1982. The oversaturation of genre films competing with each other was one of the side effects of the early 1980s slasher boom. Did you find the actor yet? I did. Okay. His name is Ned Eisenberg. Okay. And, and what, yeah. a lot. He's been in the blacklist. Mm. Um The Good Wife. These are all TV, but down yeah. here we have he was in Flags of Our Fathers. He was okay. in World Trade Center. Million Dollar Baby. 
Okay. He was in Rescue Me. He was in The Sopranos. Nice. And uh, Last Man Standing, that uh, Bruce Willis Western mob movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, fucking love that movie. It's so campy. Yeah, uh, Rick had already commented, so maybe he found it. He knew it before you did. Uh, Fisher Stevens was also in The Blacklist. If you watch The Blacklist, he was um, Raymond Reddington's lawyer. Oh, okay. I watched it a long time ago. Oh, uh, okay, gotcha. All right, so um, Cole told Variety that he, Weinstein, and producer Corky Berger took an early version of the script to the 1980s Cannes Film Festival, where it was well-received, although they rejected initial six-figure offers, hoping to land more money once the film had been shot. This was a similar approach to how Friday the 13th had earned distribution with Paramount Pictures. British director Tony Malum, known for rock music documentaries in the 70s, was hired as the Burning's director in summer 1980. Malum had met Weinstein and Berger while the producers worked as rock promoters. During his discussion with film critic Alan Jones on the commentary track of MGM's DVD, Malum said that once he came on board, the things moved very quickly. The screenplay was written in just six weeks and was sculpted conformed to the emerging genre conventions of the time. As the film takes place mostly outside and set in summer, the production had a small window of opportunity in which to make the film or it had risked having to wait until the following year. Knowing that the slasher craze would not last forever and wanting to get their film released before it fizzled out, the producers rushed into production. The screenplay was written by Peter Lawrence and Harvey's brother, Bob Weinstein. Again, reflecting an understanding of slasher movie conventions at the time, the script featured a murder every 10 minutes in a script. It was Malum's idea to make guarding shears Cropsey's weapon of choice. The film originally had a different ending. A script dated July 6, 1980, shifted a location to one much more in keeping with a summer camp slasher. Originally, the showdown was to take place in a boathouse, which I would have liked. Yeah. Another big change is that Todd ends up as the final boy rather than as the heroic adult, and Alfred is killed by Cropsey. Alfred should have died. He was getting on my nerves towards the end. Another other changes included an exercise character named Alan, who was to be the love interest for Tiger. Oh, Shelly, I feel bad now. This version also ends with a campfire scene, but the last line is different. And every year he seeks revenge for the terrible things those kids did to him. Every year he kills. Yeah, I think the boathouse would have been scarier because the kids I are still closer. Don't like, understand like, how we had it two, ended up in the mine. We had two separate <laughs> entities going on at that end. Like yeah. they're those two are fighting Cropsy and the other campers are miles away safe. So like it kind of yeah. got rid of some of the fear factor. I was waiting for Harry Warden to come out because they were in a mine. <laughs> it just made no sense. Um, so the production company became Miramax, named after Harvey and Bob Weinstein's parents, Miram and Max, who helped fund the picture. The budget is reported to have been between 500000 and $1.5 million, although the latter is more often cited. Cole admitted that the relatively inexperienced filmmakers underestimated production costs, which caused the movie to go over budget. Casting took place in New York in the spring of 1980, and Malin met most of the cast in person. There was a remarkable quick quick turnaround as the start date for filming was August 18, 1980, although some shooting may have taken place prior to this date. Brian Matthews and Leah Ayers were cast first. Ayers had all, had a successful small screen career. Malum reported in, in, Malum reportedly insisted that Matthews dye his hair brown as he did not think he would look macho enough with blonde hair. Larry Joshua was cast as one of the kids at the camp, even though he was older in real life than either Matthews or Ayers. Like most of the cast, it was his first role, but led to a long and successful career, mostly on the small screen. The rest of the cast was hired during a series of auditions. For some of the soon-to-be stars, such as Holly Hunter, Jason Alexander, and Fisher Stevens, the burning was the first big screen appearance. The wine scenes in Malum also secured the services of makeup supremo Tom Savini, who they flew to Pittsburgh to meet. Savini had worked on films such as Dawn of the Dead, Friday the 13th, Maniac, and Eyes of a Stranger. He also worked on The Prowler, but I think that came out maybe after The Burning, which is another good uh, cult classic. Kate May, Savini right? They filmed that in Kate May? Kate May, yep. Which would be a good filming location, and I have a, a, a great friend that can show us around for that. Uh, let's do that. Savini turned down the chance to work on Friday the 13th Part 2 ostensibly because he could not understand the logic that Jason was fully grown and now was the killer, as well as what he described as miscommunications with the film's backers. He also said that he liked the script for The Burning More. Now, do you think... Now, I'm not shitting on this movie. 
Mm-hmm. But do you think Tom Savini is why it jumped the cult classics? I think that has a part of a reason. Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, Tom Savini was hot during that time period and it just got overshadowed by Friday the 13th, yeah. you know? And so... then Tom, Le- Tom Savini becomes the legend. Yeah. And then all of a sudden people are watching the burning again. So I'm just yeah. I'm wondering if he had a And that's you know, and that's how sometimes movies are. Yeah. They become a cult classic after like look at the Christmas a Christmas uh story bombed at the box the box office, but then when it was released on VHS and HBO, it got popular again and then it didn't get popular until nineteen ninety seven once more when they started doing the marathon. Twenty five years marathon. All right. Uh, in an interview on the MGM DVD, Savini recalls that the cast were literally queuing up to find out how they would die, making him feel like an assassin. You missed a he paragraph. Was... Oh, did I? Oh, uh, oh the burning was you. shot in the. Thank you, sir. The burning was shot in the late summer of 1980 around Buffalo and North Tonawanda, New York. Much of the filming took place in and around existing summer camps to give it an authentic look while keeping costs down. The cast wore their own clothes throughout the production, which. Made me laugh because man, Fisher Stevens had no style. Like watch, <laughs> looking what he wore, I was like, "Holy mackerel!" Like he had like that red baseball style cut shirt, you know, yeah. and like the 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 uh, fanny pack with the shorty shorts. But hey, that was the style back then. Many of the cats were local to the New York area, and some were aware of the Cropsey legend. In an interview on the MGM DVD, Savini recalls that the cast were literally queuing up to find out how they would die, making him feel like an assassin. He was very hands-on with the production, though he did not have much time to put together the special effects. He only had three or four days to make the Cropsey makeup, which, damn, he must have worked like day and night, you know, to do all that. Um, The mask was created in his dressing room in between special effects duties elsewhere on the film. In Grand Illusions, his first book on his life as a special effects guru, Savini says he based the look of Cropsey on a burnt beggar he had seen as a kid in Pittsburgh, as well as textbooks on burn victims. Due to time constraints, the resulting mask was more of a melt than a burn. Savini was pleased enough with that that he had done it to that he subsequently agreed to go on a publicity tour for the film. Savini explained on his Friday the 13th experience for his work on The Burning, the scene where a victim has her throat cut by Cropsey with the shears was similar in execution to the demise of the hitchhiker in the earlier film. Cropsey's demise when the axe smashes into his face is an almost identical effect to a scene in Friday the 13th. There has been much speculation as to why the mind system was chosen for the climactic battle between Cropsey and Todd. As an earlier script showed, it was originally meant to be a boathouse at the camp, but this was switched to a cave system. Indeed, another subsequent version of the script has a scene in Cropsey's lair where he looks over an old newspaper clippings. Malum says it was changed again to the copper mine because they found bats roosting in the boathouse and considered it unsafe. I mean, the damn bats out. You got <laughs> <Malum>, stagehands. <laughs> uh, Malum had recalled that Caroline Hulin, who was Miss Ohio USA in 1979, found her nude scenes extremely difficult to do. Cara Glenn, who was had also a nude scene, was relaxed in front of the camera, according to the director. Malum maintains that he was cropsy for about 90% of the movie, as he could not get anyone else to hold the shears the way he wanted to perfect the gleam bouncing off the metal. Post-production. So the film was edited by Jack Shoulder, who went on shortly to direct the first film for New Line Cinema, The Slasher Alone in the Dark, starring Jack Palance, Martin Landau, and Donald Pleasance. That was a a pretty good movie. I like that. He also directed The Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge, a sequel to the 1984 classic. Malum has said there was a talk of a sequel at the time that Bernie was rapping. However, Malum was leery of being typecast as a horror director and the disappointing box office performance of the original stall of the sequel's production. So in promotion and release, according to Malam, the film received a very good response at test screenings in February 1981. Filmways Pictures picked up the rights to distribute the film from Miramax for an undisclosed sum after viewing it in Los Angeles. According to Variety, Filmways was in financial difficulties and saw an opportunity to make quick money during the slasher boom. The company had already produced Brian De Palma's Dress to Kill, which had made serious money the previous year. Filmways also released horror thrillers such as The Town of Dreaded Sundown, Without Warning, and The Last House on the Left. 
Film Ways originally was intent on renaming the film Tales Around the Campfire due to its now iconic campfire scenes, but its original title remained. The film was subsequently sold to foreign territories, including Britain, Germany, France, Spain, and Japan at the 1981 Cannes Film Festival. So the film opened May 8th, 1981 in Florida on 110 screens with a regional rollout following on May 22nd. Um, so according to Variety, the film did especially well in Buffalo, near where it had lensed, playing in three theaters and two drive-ins, bringing in 33000 Interest soon fizzled, and the film suffered a more than 50% drop-off in box office receipts the following week. Despite this brief bright spot, overall box office for The Burning was initially pretty dismal. It lasted in the top 50 for only four weeks, with a take of just $270,508. Variety reported it received a chilly reception in San Francisco and Chicago. Unlike in Buffalo, it opened elsewhere to stiff competition. It debuted at number 23 behind slasher films Happy Birthday to Me, which was at number one, and Friday 13th Part 2 at number two. However, The Burning also opened on far fewer screens than those wired releases. Yeah, those are right. two tough movies to go up against. Yeah. Um, all right. So... Um, we'll go into censorship a little bit. So obviously when they were releasing this in over in uh, Britain, the British cinema release of the burning was severely cut as well. They have their own MPAA called the BBFC. It received an X certificate on September 23rd, 1981 with cuts to the scissor murder of the prostitute and some gore during the raft attack. When the film was accidentally released uncut on video in the United Kingdom by Thorn EMI, the tape was liable for seizure and prosecution under the Obscene Publications Act. Thorn EMI had unwittingly released a video nasty, a term to coin films judged as obscene and too violent for home rental. It wasn't until 1992 that the United Kingdom video uh, was re-released. These uh, motherfuckers have soccer hooligans. Yeah killing each other over a fucking football game and they're worried about vhs tapes so it wasn't 21 years later is when it was finally re-released fully uncut in 2002 i am glad that we don't live in england (laughs) um all right so the critics panned it of course but you know um so let's get into the plot so they are going to have a four. Oh, actually, yeah, it actually is out now. But I had the four K, uh, blue, uh, UHD Blu-ray release, and man, you know, you're kind of weary when you pick up a movie at that time. The um, you will see the effects, but I have to say, it holds up really well. See, I think you know? it's, I think it's when they use strings that it becomes yeah. a problem because Nightmare looks a hundred percent fine. Um, the first Friday looks fine until the head chopping. Although, but, like you with Kevin Bacon and uh, Robbie yeah, Morgan. you can see the fake neck. So maybe, yeah. maybe where they couldn't, they didn't have to use the right colors. They only had to get close for you know, yeah, four eighty. But then ten eighty, you can see the color difference. Yeah, so yeah, maybe yeah. makeup changes. But too. yeah, it it looks beautiful. Um, the the sound and picture like. If you're a fan of the burning, definitely get it on on um, 4K. All right, so let's start. Uh, so one night at Camp Blackfoot, several campers pull a prank on Cropsy, the camp's alcoholic and abusive caretaker, by setting <laughs> where the hell did they get the fucking get a... skull? <laughs> it looked like a it looked like, like it belongs in an Indiana Jones movie, like in Temple of Doom or something. But um, apparently, they're all pissed off because. Um, Cropsy's drunk, he abuses them, so they're going to get revenge on him. They're going to um, put a worm-riddled skull with candles in the eye sockets next to his bed. When the ca- when the caretaker is awoken by the campers banging on his window, he gets frightened by the skull and accidentally knocks it onto his bed, starting a fire. Why does someone sleep next to a gas tank? <laughs> Why does someone flip out like that? Because there's a candle next to Well, it. you know, I'm thinking Cropsy might have been have a developmental oh, disability. Maybe. Yeah. You know, they didn't dwell into that. So that was my only conclusion that a normal man wouldn't unless he was drunk and sleeping it off. Yeah. And he was still drunk when he woke up. So um the flames reach the gas tank, which ignites Cropsy and his cabin. He runs outside engulfed in flames and stumbles down into a river as the boys flee. Despite his horrific injuries, Cropsy survives. So now we're five years later and there's a new 
I guess he's a new doctor yeah. and the orderly shown him around. He's like, hey, man, you want to see something cool? Check this shit out, this. man. You got to look at it. You got to see shit like this. You work here. So he takes him in the Cropsey's room and the the doctor is like, I'm not moving. I'm staying right here. He's like, come on, man. Don't be chicken shit. So um, before he could really show him, Cropsey grabs the orderly's hand and he screams. The orderly, the doctor screams. And then it's, you know, uh, some time has passed and they're like, well, we've done all we can with you and we're shipping you out. So um, then he's walking the streets looking for that woman of the night. And he comes across a prostitute and she's like, come on, honey, let's go back to my place. And I don't know who dressed her, but yeah. I, a prostitute need, needed to get better clothes. Um, so he takes her up to her room and. He's just standing in the corner and she's like, come, come closer. And then what I like really was like the um, the fog on his POV because he, you know, has injury. So that was pretty cool. I like that little attention and detail when we had that POV. They did that um, with uh, jelly that I learned. Yeah. Yeah. Jelly on the um, outside of the lens. Yeah. So um, where am I? At? OK, so he uh, so she sees his face and she's like, oh, my God, you're ugly. Get out of here. So he stabs her with scissors in a fit of rage. He then arms himself with a pair of garden shears. And why does he have garden shears? Like, I mean, it's a different type of a weapon, which is kind of cool, but. He was a caregiver, so he probably took yeah. care of those. He probably had a shed with them. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, so he sets out for another summer camp, Stonewater. There, the counselors and campers are playing softball when a camper searching for a lost ball in the woods narrowly avoids Cropsey. So before we even get to that, we're starting to get introduced to our, our campers. But I couldn't tell who was a camper and who was a, uh, a counselor. Me neither. You know, like, was Jason Alex- I I felt like, I kind of felt like Jason Alexander was a counselor. No, I felt he was a camper. Did you? Yeah. Okay. All right. I felt he was a counselor. Um, but who knows? I only counted, um, like, two as counselors. The yeah, main the dude that fought and, and the chick yeah. that swum out. Those are the only ones I... I think Jason <laughs> was just like the older kid. Glazer, for sure, had to have been a, a counselor. No, because the older <laughs> guy yoked him up. Okay. He was yeah. ready to fight the little guys. So yeah. I really think there was only two counts. But what the fuck do I know? Yeah, so... Um, you know, so we're introduced first to, like, Woodstock and um, uh, Jason Alexander's character and... I don't know if we're introduced to Brian Backer's character. I can't remember their names offhand, but it was just like I don't Jason remember Al- seeing Brian Backer until the dinner or lunch or table. Yeah, or something. yeah. Okay. Oh no, we saw him when he was a peeping tom. Remember? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The peeping yeah. tom. That's right. And they 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 pegged him as a red herring. Yeah. You know immediately. Um. But uh. Yeah. So we got to see, uh, like I said, Jason Alexander auditioning for George Costanza because that was a mini George Costanza right there, and it's funny seeing him with hair. It was you funny know? watching him the whole time. Like his jokes yeah. really hit, and they were he funny. Was, yeah, he was really good. I enjoyed his character. Like as far as comedic, he was my favorite character, and I was glad to see that he did survive. You know, because usually the comedian dies. Yeah, but he didn't. Um. All right. So the next morning, a camper named Alfred scares Sally as she steps out of the shower. Her screams bring the attention of counselors Michelle and Todd, and campers. Karen and Eddie catch him. Man, I thought Eddie was a... a, a no, a, man, I'm damn. telling you, there's only two counselors. <laughs> Michelle is furious at Alfred. Man, she is like... She wants his balls cut off. Yeah, that was a little uh, overbearing. Like, this is the first kid that peeped on the girl's shower at a camp? Get the fuck yeah. out of here. So she's furious at Alfred and demands that he leaves, but Todd talks to him. He learns that Alfred has no friends and was merely pulling a prank on Sally. Sally's boyfriend, Glazer, confronts Alfred, but Todd gets him to back off, and later the latter apologizes to Sally. Alfred spots Cropsy outside his window that night, but nobody believes him. And I have to say, like, Todd was a little rough on um alfred you know yeah he has no friends make him feel welcome like be his big brother don't like break the guy um all right so the following day the campers are brought by todd and michelle on a canoe trip down to the river decks river devil's creek after todd tells him about the legend of cropsy karen and eddie go to 
to like to skinny dip. He leaves upset when she reconsiders reconsiders having sex with him. And Karen leaves the lake to find her clothes scattered in the woods. As she collects them, Cropsy slashes her throat with his shears. And I love like during the daylight, like his shears shine. Yes. I really like that. Yeah. That was cool. Um, the next morning, Michelle finds Karen and the canoes missing. Eddie, Fish, Woodstock, Diane, and Barbara searched for the canoes on a makeshift raft. Let me tell you, they did a pretty damn good job. But, that you raft. know, this is a homemade raft. I'm not putting five motherfuckers on it. Three, yeah. I'm good. Who knows what this thing's going to hold up with? <laughs> You're going to stock it full of people? Uh. Yeah. All right. So they spot a canoe and paddle to it. Now, this is the one scene. I wonder how many. Well, I don't think they did the take with him on the canoe, but he one He had to be laying down. Yeah. And then when they get closer, he just levitates up. Right. You know, and the canoe didn't for anything. But that was a great shot. It was. Silhouette. I love that. Um, And he just goes balls to walls. And um, I think, uh, was it Woodstock got cut in the face? Or no, his fingers cut off. Um, You know, someone got cut in the face. It was a lot of like, you didn't see what was going on, but little bits in here and there. Um, so we get to Glazer, who is all about having sex, but the guy's a one-pump chump, basically. Yep. So he has sex with Sally in the woods, but suffers premature ejaculation. When he leaves to get matches for a campfire, Cropsy shoves his shears into Sally's chest. Her excuse me, her boyfriend returns only for Cropsy to stab him through the throat and pin him to a tree. Oh, excuse me, it's damn beer. Mm-hmm. Alfred witnesses his death, and this is after he was watching him have sex, uh, and wakes up Todd, but Todd is rendered unconscious by Cropsy, who then chases after Alfred. How is Todd rendered unconscious with the little zing of the scissors? Like, <laughs> you barely got a cut, so they didn't fucking hit you that hard, bro. And he's like, like, really? I'm the chick from Bloodsport. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so Todd regains consciousness, and Chases after the killer with an axe. Cropsy grabs Alfred inside an abandoned mine shaft and pins him to a wall with his shears. Todd discovers Karen's body and sees Cropsy armed with a flamethrower, where he begins to remember being involved with the prank. Why does he remember? Like, did he have amnesia too? Like, he was a part of it. It's one. It should have been like Cropsy remembers Todd. You know, but then. Uh, well, didn't they find Karen's body way before he had the flamethrower? Because he saw her on the ground, and that's when he attacked with the spears, and the two split up. No, uh, no, Karen survived. Well, hold on. No, um, Karen is. Uh, no, Karen was the one that was the skinny dip him. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. His girlfriend was with the camper. I got remember? you. I got the yeah. two confused. We're yeah, good. it's okay. Yeah, not a problem. Um, all right. So, um, he uh, Todd's attacked by Cropsy, who reveals his disfigurements, and Alfred frees himself to stab him with his own shears. Before they can leave, Cropsy reappears, and Todd ultimately slams the axe into his face, killing him. Alfred ignites his body with his own flamethrower and they make their way outside to Michelle, who brought the police with her as Cropsy's body burns away. At a campfire, another group of teenagers is seen retelling the story of Cropsy. And that, you know, I thought that would have been a good open ending, like Friday 13th jump scare, you know, Cropsy coming out. But that's the burning. You know, it's a fun summer flick. I think... It's a shame it never got a sequel. It know? is, because it would have yeah. worked. Yeah. Yeah. But I get it. You know, you're in that whole unfortunate time frame of all the Friday 13th movies and all the other slashers. All right. So the after the legacy of this film, many people involved in the burning have gone on to achieve great success. Well, Bob and Harvey Weinstein have become successful film producers, <laughs> acting as founders and heads of Miramax until 19, uh, from 1979 until 2005. Then Disney bought them. Uh, they created the Weinstein Company. Bob was the founder and head of Dimension Films, which put out a lot of great horror films uh, in the uh, late 90s. Um, and then we don't talk about, you know, was it Bob or Harvey? That's the 
the Me Too. I, I thought they one. were both. No, it was the one brother. The other one didn't do. I don't think he did anything. I think it was Harvey was like the culprit. I don't know if Bob partook in anything. Um. So yeah. So basically, they went on to make a lot of great, produce a lot of great films and win Academy Awards. Um. In 2009, writer-director Joshua Zeman and director Barbara Brancasio released a documentary titled Cropsy, which details the Cropsy maniac urban legend on which the burning is based. Rick says it was Harvey. Despite sharing little connection to the burning, the film reignited the popular mythos of the character. Uh, in 2017, Complex Magazine named the burning the 12th best slasher film of all time. The following year, Paste included it in their list of the 50 best slasher movies of all time, while Cropsy was ranked the 12th greatest slasher villain of all time by LA Weekly. In October 2017, former production assistant Paulo Wacko Wyack alleged that producer Harvey Weinstein's history of predatory behavior went back as far as the initial filming of The Burning in June 1980. Then a 24-year-old University of Buffalo graduate and divorced mother, Wacko Wyack was tasked with getting Weinstein to sign checks for an auditor working with the production's accounting department. When Wacko Wyack arrived at Weinstein's hotel room to have him sign the checks, he allegedly answered the door wearing only a towel that he then dropped and asked for a massage from his employee. When Wacko Wyack refused, she alleges that Weinstein harassed her about the incident through the rest of the film's production up until its uh, May premiere. So just a couple of trivia. As we know, uh, Tom Zavitti turned down Friday 13th Part 2 to work on this. And again, he only had three days to make this uh, mask and he wasn't happy with it. The film's composer, Wick, Wick, Rick Wakeman, was originally offered a percentage of the whatever profits the film made, but he had decided to opt for a fee instead as he felt the film had no chance of being successful. The film ended up being the biggest grossing horror movie in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. <Sucks> you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shelly, Ghost in the Shell, gives the peace sign with a kitty cat. Oh, what's up, Shell? Um, hope to see you Friday thirteenth, uh, Night of Terror. I would. Oh, actually, maybe... you're gonna see Shelly September 9th. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, and I'm staying over that night too. So party. <laughs> Where are you staying? I got, I got a room in Lancaster. Oh, did you? Yeah. You know, I figured. You know what? I got. Remember, I told you I cashed in the credits. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. I forgot. I forgot. Yeah. yeah. So um. I, I forgot to, in the beginning, I watched another horror movie. I revisited uh, Maniac Cop. Okay. Yeah, the uh, they're all on Tubi, so I started watching the first one. And it has our boy uh, Tom Atkins, the suave Tom Atkins. The, the, the suave suave. <laughs> so, That's yeah, awesome. so thanks for the people who tuned in on our first YouTube. Uh, I think we had more interaction on the YouTube, uh, you know, so we'll see what happens. We'll give this yeah. a run. We'll see what one was better, this or Twitch. And I know there's a way to get it out to all of it, but I think that costs money and I really don't feel like doing that. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. You know. Sweet, Sweet let's place. trash the place. Uh, how about <laughs> we don't trash the place? Oh, the hotel I don't care about. That's fine. You guys do what you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, and then you know, um also real quick, I, I talked with um Alton um who is the creator of Vampires in New Jersey and amongst other great uh, indie comic books, um, horror related. And, you know, he's putting this event on November 18th and looks like you and I might be going. Oh, yeah. yeah and, and Terry, you know, he said Terry wants to go. to go. She wants to go to a vampire convention. I'm like, fucking all right. Vampire, there's going to be a vampire panel, a werewolf panel. And a witch panel. Yeah. You like there's cosplays for all of them. And then one could take home each prize. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I think it'd be cool to listen to like a guy talk about vampirism and werewolfism. Yeah, Lycans Lycans I think that'd be pretty interesting. But they all have like, did you read all the like the Facebook pictures? Like the they all have like uh, they're an animal Names? or they're uh, like a vampire or yeah some yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I gotta come know... up my own, bro. I got I gotta fit in. <laughs> what would I be? I don't know. I gotta look at all Count, of them. Counting Voorhees. <laughs> there you go. Oh man. Um, yeah, that, that looks interesting. We'll see if we can pull that together. Yeah. Um it'd be <laughs> good for some material for both shows, you know. Yeah. Um definitely Halloween interviews. related. Yeah, so um so shows we have coming up now. We're gonna 
probably start recording maybe twice a week because Jared's going to be getting very busy soon. So we're going to have stuff in the chamber that he can release. So so um, if you don't see a beginning conversation too deep, that's why. <laughs> yeah. So I do know, like we had talked about covering some um, like like horror haunt related type stuff, yes. like doing um, the Funhouse Massacre, Toby Hooper's The Funhouse, um, and then uh, some horror attractions. Um, I think uh, Haunt came out in like 2019, I yes. think. I've, it was okay, but a lot of the younger kids like that one. Um, but yeah, we'll just think of some stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, it looks like, you know, September 9th is going to be here before we know it. So we'll I do think it. actually... The week this comes out, we'll be going into September 9th, maybe. Because no. we have we have three episodes. The interview. Which came out yesterday. Already came out. And then we have Andre, Andre Rand. And then this one. So that's I think that's just gonna take us up until the ninth, I think. Let's see. I bet you. I'm sure these guys love when we do this. All right, so Andre Rand comes <laughs> out the twenty eighth. So this will come out the fourth. So yeah. Yeah. Our next episode might be about Field of Screams. Booyah! <laughs> oh, you're going to do that? and not, I mean, well, your episode on Halloween Haunts, but not this one, right? Oh, we could do one here if we want. Oh, okay. All right. Because you're going to have different opinions than I do. True. True. So we could throw, right. like, review of Field of Screams and just talk about what the fuck's going on, because we haven't had an episode like that in a while, either. Yeah, and those are good episodes where we just banter. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, All we'll right. do, like, a half hour on field and then go into what, and that'll be another, that'll be the 10th, and then we mm-hmm. can add the whatever we film after that. Yeah, definitely. So, we'll see where we're at for this upcoming couple of weeks and get some get some content to you guys. Yeah. Because we're not missing a Monday. I don't give a shit. No, we're, like, will this be our 52nd episode? No. Um, okay. Andre Rand is 50. Let me make sure I want to have our facts straight so we can give ourselves a happy birthday. Uh, fuck are we the horror show podcast? Um, oh, look, we're still live. We're watching. Very cool. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, we're watching. What's up? Say hi, everyone. Yeah, we say hi. Type there. in down there. Ghost in the shell. They Thank might not watching. be able to type in unless they're signed into their account. Uh, so that okay. might be one of the things. We'll have to see. Um, what the hell are your videos? All right, so... Andre Rand is 50. This is episode 51. All right. So, so weird we... enough, Feel the Screams will be 52. And that's a perfect talking episode because it's our one year. There you go. There you go. 51. All righty. Burning. 52. FOS. Haunt opening. Bullshit. All right. All right. So, guys, check. Check out the burning. It did grow on me for the second watch. Um, it was fun. Yeah, you got to be signed into your account to comment. I figured. But still, four people watching. Cool. Check it out. Make sure you subscribe. You can do that. So sign yeah, into your damn account. Uh, we're you know, slowly getting up to that number that I want to reach. Um, the number I want by the end of the month. Help us out. It's 356. <laughs> because they lost a subscriber or two. Oh, my God. You... you... <laughs> You care too much. Like you really I do. do. That's my ultimate gift. That would be like, I want right. five hundred. That's what I want. Oh, that's gonna happen by the end of the year. End of the year. I want it by fucking October. Because <laughs> you know, all the horror movies are gonna be popping out. All the fake horror fans are coming. So, you know, I think five hundred by end of September is happening. All right, so we go Shelly said she added it to her watch list. Shelly, I think you, you will Shelley. like it. I think you will. Um, it's yeah, on Tubi. Definitely. There's a ton of shit on Tubi. I went down the Tubi hole. That's how I looked at Lords of Salem again because I, I want to see like the filming locations. Yeah, I guess. And I already it, caught yeah, some I movie magic because she walked around the courthouse where all these witches were on trial, and mm-hmm. when she went in, she was in AA. Like that's not an AA building. <laughs> uh, Jar said honestly, hold on, Stan Hart. I'm motoring um, you I'm, versus I'm, them. I'm, Motoring, he's motorboating us. He's monitoring, <laughs> monitoring. Yeah, you versus them. The hell are you monitoring? Us he versus keeps, he keeps tabs on the other podcasts. Wow, oh, I, I like that, that shit forever. Yeah, but, but um, <laughs> I'm gonna sit up here and my chicken my tea. 
As long as it's not like sleepaway camp. It's a little like sleepaway camp, but not the be- the acting's better. Yeah, there's no um there's no genitalia. crazy there's, there's no, no crazy ending at the end. Gone. <laughs> that was the only scene that saved that fucking movie though, because that shit was shocking. Yeah, talk about low, low, low budget. Terry but said it, Terry said, What the fuck when she saw that scene? <laughs> I love the little action figures they have of Angela. Yeah. It has just like a bush and a little. <laughs> and I love how she still does the face at all the cons oh, she does. You couldn't ask for the a sweeter person meeting. Um, what does Felicia Rose. Felicia, thank you. <laughs> Felicia Rose. <laughs> have another, Brian. So, um, and it's only Tuesday. Yeah, you're, so. you're fine. There's no, there's no rules anymore. Yeah. All right, guys, but I'm going to figure out how to get rid of the live so it doesn't take up an episode because I want, you know, I like to edit. So, right. guys, subscribe now. Check us out now. You've seen some of the content we have coming. This will release in a couple Mondays. This is the Horror Shed Podcast. We will see you next Monday.